First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. There are so many unanswered questions, but I know in the midst of this, the name of God has been proclaimed. The lives have been saved physically and spiritually. Millions are turning to God now. In the midst of the terrible war in Ukraine, God's people are responding to help in remarkable ways. Coming up now, a report from the president of Mission Eurasia, Sergei Rakuba. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and this is First Person. Before we speak with Sergei, several recent programs have dealt with this ongoing crisis, starting with Voices from Ukraine back in early March. Those programs and all of our weekly interviews are online at firstpersoninterview.com and may be listened to as podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for First Person Interview. With millions of people displaced or refugees as a result of the Russian brutality in this war, many ministries are stepping up, cooperating with one another, and meeting the need for transportation, food, medicine, and baby formula. These supplies are being trucked deep into Ukraine where it is needed most. And at the same time, there's already signs of a spiritual harvest as many are turning to faith in Christ. With that in mind, we begin now our conversation with Sergei Rakuba of Mission Eurasia. Well, Sergey, I know I reached you on a very difficult day, a difficult day for you especially, uh, for me as well, because we work together on Mission Eurasia. I serve on the board and have a great heart for this ministry, but um, let's share with our friends the latest information that we have at this point. We've been watching carefully the city of Irpin and Kiev, and what news do you have today? There are lots of sad news, Wayne. Uh, Although there is no good news from war, although there are small victories there, and we hear that uh, the Ukrainian volunteer troops uh, were able to push Russian units out of that town where our uh, field ministry's headquarters is based in Irpin. Mm -hmm. So you've heard the name of the town, you know, in the course of last several weeks, you know, a lot in the news. It's been on the news every day, hasn't it? Uh, and, you know, with all the uh, sadness, you know, the war brought, you know, so uh, until you, it touches you closely, I mean, mm-hmm. close. And so when I saw the videos uh, that some uh, people, they managed to get to the neighborhood uh, and sent the pictures of our destroyed ministry center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I can't explain, I can give you the feelings, you know, but that's emotionally kind of uh, so close to our, uh, to me, my staff, you know, I'm talking to them now. Uh, so that's, that's the latest news, okay. you know, and seeing, since dead bodies, you know, on the street, right across, you know, from the gate to our center, random civilians, you know, were shot. Hmm. So that's as close as, as, as it can get. Uh, well, Sergey, let, let's, uh, let our listeners know that uh, none of our staff, as far as we know, were injured in any way. Our staff ac- evacuated from the building a number of weeks ago, and even those who had been sheltering in our building were no longer there. They had evacuated. So although some people were killed in the neighborhood, and we're so sorry to hear that, um, we're thankful that uh, none of our folks associated with Mission Eurasia 
as far as we know, have been injured in this attack. But our ministry center was in Irpine. It was a, you know, you and I have been there together. You've been there dozens of times through the years. It was a, I've described it as a God-provided building. There's a, a miracle story behind how this building came to be. And it was our ministry center for all of Eurasia. And the walls are standing, but the building is obviously destroyed at this point. Yeah, the building is not there, and that's a sadness. I mean, uh, Wayne, you know, hard to describe, you know, how we all feel about this now. But that's the place from where thousands and thousands of young people were trained, and not just in Ukraine, across the entire Eurasia. It was the nerve center uh, for our uh, ministry and for all our partners, you know. So that's where new ideas were kind of implemented. That's where strategies for ministries uh, were uh, uh, designed there, you know, plans were made where uh, thousands, literally thousands of young people have been trained, you know, from other countries of the former Soviet Union coming to the center. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, it's a heavy feeling, you know, in our hearts, you know, when we see that the building is destroyed now. So they're trying to stop us as we see, but they're not going to stop us advancing the gospel. Right. Our entire staff, you know, so they're in safe place. And we work more than ever we've done before together collectively, mobilizing all possible volunteer resources. Or the young people we've trained, they say we've trained, we've been trained for the time like this. Now we are in the front line, delivering the gospel, bringing the gospel into the midst of this tragedy in a very tangible way, helping people that are suffering running away from this war and that's what uh, we're doing today our building is damaged but our spirit is uh, uh, more encouraged you know so that we need to continue uh, bringing the gospel because we know gospel transforms gospel brings peace and that's what we think you know so that what we continue uh, we can will continue doing uh, uh, with our teams there I'm so glad to hear you say that. I didn't expect anything less from you or anyone on the staff of Mission Eurasia. It is a building, and buildings can be replaced when this war is over, and hopefully it'll be over soon. But um, this ministry is going to go forward. And we're, we'll talk more about what is being done right now, because the the biblical phrase for such a time as this occurs to me um, in, in this moment of history. God has raised up this ministry for a very specific purpose. As you said... Up until now, our purpose has been evangelism and training of the next generation of Christian leaders. There's a whole story to be told there. Maybe we can tell that someday. But right now, the focus is on helping people who are suffering so greatly. But before we even talk about that, you are Ukrainian. I mean, you're a U.S. citizen now, but you were born in Ukraine. What is it like for you and your family to know, and you still have family in Ukraine, what's it like for you to see what's happening to your country? Uh, that's, uh, when hard to describe the feeling, you know, so when the war just started, although we, uh, saw it was coming, you know, Russia was really kind of imposing its, uh, control over the territories and the outskirts of Ukraine, eastern parts of Ukraine, Crimea. Actually, I was born there in Donbass. I still have family there. Mm. All my, uh, cousins on my mom's side, you know, they all still, uh, uh, live there so but when this new invasion you know happened uh, we still was what like like so surreal you know we could not believe it's actually what's happening uh, russian air force you know or were bombarding cities all across ukraine forcing people to run uh, 
uh, and uh, uh, so the division, the sense of loss, that fear, uh, what uncertainty. That's what we all in the first few days, you know, got quite disoriented, you know, why it's happening to mm-hmm. our people. Uh, we were so much concerned, of course, about our staff, our families, and that was our first uh, priority, you know, focus to evacuate all who we can in a safer place. Um, and uh, just being in Ukraine, I was raised, uh, born, raised in Ukraine, seen as happening to my country, although I live now in the States for mm-hmm. a long time. But you, still count, Ukraine, you count Zaporozhye as your home, right? Uh, Ukraine is my home country. Uh, Zaporozhye is my hometown, and that's where I see my friends now, and many of them, they, with uh, with arms in their hands, volunteer to defend their communities. Half of the region of Zaporozhye is split now. Half of that is already under control of the Russian army. And you've heard, you know, so you've seen the images of that power plant uh, in, in Ergadar, Berdyansk, uh, not too far from Mariupol. Zaporozhye is the next uh, door, larger city mm-hmm. to Mariupol. Uh, Zaporozhye received so many refugees that uh, were trying to escape that massacre there. That's uh, no other word, you know, I can use to right. describe yes. uh, was imposed in that city. Uh, so to see that tragedy when uh, we are dealing with it, it's hard to comprehend, impossible to comprehend and make peace with it. Uh, but, you know, as like what, four weeks later now, uh, we finally come and I'm talking for myself, my team. Uh, my friends, you know, whom I'm uh, with, whom I'm talking basically on every uh, on daily basis, we come to a realization: this is real. This is actually happening. Uh, you know, so we were still in denial. You know, dealing with all the news and all this emotional uh, <laughs> pressures, and so. But now, and it seems like it's 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 uh, you know, unless God intervenes, you know, in a very powerful way and eliminates that. Uh, source of that uh, invasion that uh, war yeah. you know so but seems like you know there is a, a plan you know for a long time to destroy the nation destroy mm-hmm. this country uh, uh you know there is so many unanswered questions we don't know why it's happening right. we trust through all of this god will uh show his glory uh, and we see the awakening, you know, coming. I mean, we see how much people are longing for the gospel now. And uh, but still, the enormous tragedy, enormous loss of lives, uh, suffering—it's hard to—it's hard to comprehend, hard to accept. The world has been inspired by the courage of the Ukrainian people. Um, how does that make you feel? I mean, your roots are Ukraine, so. Uh, it's, it's got to be a feeling of national pride that everyone has stuck up. The world is, is behind you on this. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, you know, Zaporozhye, that's the center for those Kazakhs, uh, uh, warriors, historically known as the most probably brave, uh, courageous, uh, ruthless, if I can say, you know, back, you know, centuries ago. Yeah, you want them on and your side, don't you? <laughs> we really <laughs> but this is the roots this is the heritage if i can say ukrainians they are not giving up their freedom quickly you see they were offered you know help they say we can help you to evacuate you know so even the president you know so we thought he would not he's not capable of showing so much courage he says no way 
I don't need a free ride. I yeah. need more ammunition. He has surprised all of us, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and seen the mayor of uh, Kiev, you know, and his brother who lived in a safe place. You know, the, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, have, uh, them yes. on, on the news. So they dropped everything, you know. So now they're heading the volunteer, they call them territorial defense, volunteer troops defending their capital. Uh, so and seeing all of this, as it does warm my heart. Yeah. You know, so that Ukrainians heroically, uh, you know, so they will continue defending their, uh, so their community, their nation. And I really want the uh, world, you know, to get inspired uh, to continue praying, continue supporting, but we're still awaiting for the government's way, you know, to make some courageous decisions, you know, and at least try to stop this massacre. Ukrainians will fight for themselves. They need help. And that's what they're awaiting. You know, either, you know, you promise, you promise and deliver or don't promise if you know you're not going to deliver. This is the message I get from our friends that are fighting there on the ground for their lives, for their freedom, for the freedom of their uh, people. Well, there's certainly more that we can do, and we'll talk with Sergei Rakuba more about that coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Sergei Rakuba, and this is a very personal conversation for me because Sergei is one of my best friends. I serve as his board chairman for Mission Eurasia, so this is a ministry that is very near and dear to my heart. If you follow me on Facebook, you know that uh, I've been posting every bit of news I can possibly post about what's happening, what God is doing through this uh, tragedy of war in Ukraine, and I'm so grateful to have Sergei here for a few minutes with us on First Person Today to talk about it. Uh, Sergey, let's talk specifically about Mission Eurasia and what it's doing right now. Now, to be clear, our staff did evacuate. Their families, uh, for the most part, got over the border into other countries, Poland, Moldova, I think primarily. Of course, uh, the, staff, the ministry men on our staff have remained behind or have been very actively involved in uh, the eye care project of Mission Eurasia. So tell me what's going on. What's been happening? As you said, Wayne, uh, we were able to evacuate our staff. Soon the, uh, the shelling began, you know, of the Kiev and surroundings. It was our first priority to evacuate the families of our staff, uh, who, uh, who all, I mean, uh, uh, we were able to evacuate all who we could. Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. And most uh, of our staff families are in a safe place, either in Poland or Moldova. All our staff, man, they stayed behind, uh, but uh, they are leading such large-scale now humanitarian assistance projects, we call it the uh, I Care Ukraine. And we continue raising support, and we're so grateful to all who enabled us uh, uh, through this project uh, uh, to deliver uh, so much needed food, medical assistance, shelter, uh, and uh, so what we're doing now in Ukraine, uh, our leaders were able to mobilize all the networks, you know, through our 
connections, uh, uh, volunteer networks, and in three major locations okay. in Ukraine. And they're in Lutsk, uh, in Lviv, and farther southwest in Ukraine, a major hub in Chernyavtsi. That's where working 24-7, these volunteers, they pack food packages and then rush them farther. That's where the war action is. That's where the war zone is, where so many families are trapped. And as of today, when we were able to pack and deliver already over 12,000 food packages. Wow. Uh, the cost is one food package for a family of that will sustain a family uh, for about what uh, at least one week, a family of four or five people. Uh, and uh, we're so grateful. People uh, generously yeah. respond to the challenge and help us uh, to help those who are in tremendous need there in Ukraine. I know some listeners right now will want to get involved in that, and we'll put information about that in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. We're not doing this alone either. We are cooperating with other ministries, and it's been exciting to see these other ministries come along and support our efforts to get this much-needed food and medicine, even diapers, uh, to the to the people who need it so desperately. Um, Samaritan's Purse, for example, but there's been others as well, right? Yes, Samaritan's Purse is very generously, you know, we've been working with them for a long time, you know, so we have that mutual trust, you know, working together. They were the first ones uh, to respond. Besides that, they uh, have their own ministry efforts, you know, in Ukraine and all the neighboring countries, as you probably have seen uh, from other sources mm-hmm. of information. Their field hospitals have been kind of deployed there to the area. They help a lot of refugees in the neighboring countries with medical assistance, uh, food, uh, housing, and etc. But there are some other ministries like World Health, mm-hmm. uh, Feed My Starving Children, and many others, you know, who chip in into this Christian aid ministries in a very major way. So working with us uh, uh, are providing resources that's available for us to obtain more food and then pack it, you know, and deliver to the most needy areas in Ukraine. Yeah, and radio listeners will realize uh, the name of uh, Charles Morris and Haven Today, the broadcast Haven Today. Charles has been very instrumental in providing assistance to Mission Eurasia. Uh, When Charles Morris, I remember, you know, when we were still kind of coping with what what happens, what happens in Ukraine, it was probably third, fourth day of the invasion, you know, uh, when Russia continued kind of uh, moving into the Ukrainian territories, uh, uh, at the phone rings, you know, I pick up, it was Charles Morris. <laughs> uh, we've known each other, and you've known Charles, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. But he calls and says, Sergey, we got to do something. We got to tell people what's happening on the ground, what how Mission Eurasia is getting involved, other ministries. So a few days later, we were already on uh, airplane, you know, he was going uh, to the region. That's where he spent almost two weeks reporting right from the ground at those border crossings, you know, talking to people, seeing the tragedy of that uh, separation, you know, when refugees were separating from their families, you know, running into this uh, uh, neighboring countries. So uh, we're so grateful, you know, so for ministries like Haven Today, Charles Morris, mm-hmm. uh, Moody Radio, you know, so they've been faithfully helping us 
to raise more awareness on the situation there, but many others as well. Yeah, well, this brings to mind the fact that I just think that God was so gracious in providing this whole network of relationships that Mission Eurasia has and has had for many years now. And suddenly, all of those relationships are coming together, providing a way to help people, not only with their physical needs, but let's talk about for a moment what's happening with their spiritual needs. I mean, scriptures, how many scriptures are we printing and getting into the hands of people? You know, as we speak now, at least 300,000 copies, you know, being in print, uh, prepared to be, I mean, as soon as they get, you know, out of print, still as we say, warm, you know, so with not dried, you know, pain, <laughs> we pack them and they'll ready go and deliver it into the hands of people. Scripture is so much on high demand now by those who are in tragedy. We also printed a million copies of specially designed a prayer guide with designed, you know, based on scripture prayer so that person can read and direct his thoughts to Christ. Sergey, God bless you and all those working with Mission Eurasia, some of whom are putting their lives in danger every day to serve Christ and serve the people of Ukraine. But we're so thankful. I'm just curious. Uh, we have many listeners who are going to want to get involved and want to do more to pray. You you put out a prayer note, I believe, daily uh, that uh, listeners can get a hold of. And and how else can we support you? How can we get a hold of those prayer initiatives? And how can we support Mission Eurasia? Uh, you can go on our website, Wayne, or encourage uh, you know people to go on our website, missioneurasia.org. And right there on the front page, you know, either you know you can make a donation, and then it automatically goes into uh, your name would go onto our uh, e-update list, mm-hmm. or there's an option you can sign up and be a part or join our prayer team. Uh, so that on a daily basis, continue praying for Mission Eurasia, Mission Eurasia staff, Mission Eurasia ministry right there on the ground. And uh, besides, you know, every day we're sending those prayer updates. Good. How people also can help, Wayne. So we, you can imagine, you know, resources are so much needed to continue providing food, shelter, medical assistance, pastoral care, you know, printing those copies of scripture, New Testament's Bible, scripture for children, counseling materials, we need resources. And uh, the resources are needed, you know, to help. And we encourage people, or I would even challenge, you know, so when you continue earnestly praying for Mission Eurasia, for the people of Ukraine, uh, continue generously giving your support uh, continues enabling us to continue preaching the gospel in a very practical way saving lives of those who are suffering running for their lives from the destruction from war sergey rakuba president of mission eurasia sergey thank you for your time you're one of the busiest people i know right now trying to do everything you can and i know you'll be going back to that region soon so our prayers go with you thank you brother Thank you so much, Wayne. Thank you. Well, there's so much more to be said about what is happening. So what we've done is we've posted even more of this conversation with Sergey Rakuba at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. When you listen to this extra segment, you'll hear Sergey talk more about his staff that he considers to be heroes, how they are separated from their families while they serve and don't even know if they have homes to return to when the war is over. You can listen to this at firstpersoninterview.com. And of course, we'll place links to Mission Eurasia at the same site. There's much you can do to help with your prayers and gifts. Find that information at firstpersoninterview.com. One of the many organizations partnering together in the gospel in Ukraine is the Far East Broadcasting Company. 
Read the updated news of this ministry at febc.org and say thanks to FEBC for making First Person possible. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.